0: Well, we're near the end of our uh, studies in the book of of Jeremiah. Our study today will focus primarily on chapter 42 of of that book. And as we've seen thus far in our past 10 sessions, uh, we've seen God plead with, with Judah through his prophet Jeremiah to turn from their wickedness and idolatry. And Judah, at this time, was the remaining nation of the house of Israel. And it had a choice to be made. They could repent or come under the dreadful judgment of God. And that judgment incorporated the uh, destruction of the land, including the Jerusalem and the temple at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon. decisions have consequences and we all know that. That's second nature to us now. Uh, there was a news story recently and you will recall this. Let me share it with you. Uh, it, was, uh, it was just this. The world watched and waited earlier this summer as the search for the ocean gate submersible Titan continued for several days. The underwater craft went silent shortly after submerging on its way to visit the wreck of the Titanic in late June. Newscasters noted the number of hours of oxygen that the crew and passengers had left as the world hoped for a successful end to the Odyssey. Unfortunately, all five people on board died when the submersible imploded. According to some engineers, Stockton Rush, the former CEO of OceanGate and a victim of the Titanic implosion, ignored safety warnings when he was building his submersible. Liz Taylor, a deep sea engineer and president of Deep Ocean Exploration and Research, Marine Operations, has stated that Rush consulted with her in 2015 about using some new carbon fiber materials for his submersible. She advised against using carbon fiber because it was still in the experimental stage. Later, the Marine Technology Society also urged Rush not to use carbon fiber. Rush went ahead with the carbon fiber. Taylor said, because he was confident in his own engineering work. She also noted that he cut corners by not building a second submersible as a rescue vehicle. Taylor has suggested that Rush's uh, complacency and greed led to a tragic end, all right? So ignored warnings have consequences. Sometimes results are just frustrating. Other times they can be devastating. So, ignored warnings, devastation follows. Now, how does that line up with what we'll be looking at today? Well, we'll see. We'll see. So here's a quick summary of the context uh, of our study today and that's always important to know. Uh, As a result of Judah's uh, Judah's failure to repent, God has brought the heavy hand of King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, down on his people and the year these events 586 BC. Jerusalem has been flattened. The temple as well. Many have been killed. The third and final wave of exiles has been deported to Babylon. Jeremiah was given a choice to go with the exiles or stay with the relatively few people remaining. He opted to stay. Jeremiah thirty-nine ten 10 says, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guards, left in, left in the land of Judah some of the poor people who owed, owned nothing, and he gave them vineyards and fields at that time. When the army of Babylon had attacked and placed Jerusalem under siege, Many people in other parts of the country fled. They fled across neighboring borders. We've seen that recently in the uh, uh, fighting in Ukraine, all right? A lot of people have stayed. A lot of people have evacuated, rushed across borders for safety. And a lot of people in Judah, Judah, a lot of them went into hiding the best they could and uh, then some fled into the neighboring uh, countries around them. Well, in the meantime, uh, after the fall of Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar appointed uh, Gedaliah to be his governor of the captured land. And because Jerusalem laid in ruins, the seat of government was moved about eight miles north to Mizpah. And if you look in the backs of your study books, you'll find the maps. If you look just north of Jerusalem, I this about, my uh, about eight miles, I think eight, or 10 miles north of Jerusalem, not far, not far, right. But it would be the new capital uh, for this new regime, uh, this uh, new province, if you will, of uh, Babylon. Well, this didn't sit well, that, that is, the appointment of uh, Gedaliah didn't sit well with this, a guy named Ishmael. Uh, who Ishmael was a descendant of David, he was an Ammonite. So Ishmael assassinated Gedaliah, the one appointed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And he rounded up the citizenry of Metzpah and set off with them to cross over to Ammon uh, for fear of the retaliation that might come from Nebuchadnezzar. The remaining uh, Judean soldiers who were now in the countryside along with their leader uh, Johanan intercepted Ishmael and rescued the people. Ishmael escaped. Well, fearful that when Babylon learned of this rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar would take it out on them. So they decided fleeing to Egypt would be the right thing to do. So they set off in that direction. And the group stopped and and Bethlehem, which is just south of, about eight miles south of uh, Jerusalem, and they thought it would be prudent at that point to get the prophet Jeremiah involved. They wanted to know if God approved of their plan. Proverbs uh, three, five, and six comes to my mind as I consider this. What's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Some of you could probably uh, recite that from memory, couldn't you? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Wow. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lead not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths Yes. Thank you, Jan, very much. Yes. So this is where we're going to pick up our lesson today which begins in chapter 42 and it begins with the people's request the people's request and we're going to uh, uh, start with verse number one and this is going to disappoint you those of you who uh, don't have your bibles with you or a device and, and are relying on your books because this is not printed in, in your books directly. Alright? But this is the way chapter 42 begins. Then all the commanders of the armies along with Johanan son of Kareah, Jezana, son of Hosiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached the prophet Jeremiah and said may our petition come before you pray to the Lord your God on our behalf on behalf of this entire remnant, for few of us remain out of the enemy, as you can see with your own eyes. Pray that the Lord your God may tell us the way we should go and the thing we should do." All right, Johanan then was the leader. Johanan was the leader. He was the son of Hariah. Every time I see this, it makes me grin a little bit. Uh, When I was in high school, when I was in high school, it was in the early 50s, and at that point the Korean War was going on, and we had one of our teachers who would always say about the subject, this is going to help you in your career. And we would all look at one another and sneer. How is this going to help us? We're not going to be in Korea. And this went on and on, but we were all afraid to say anything to her. Of course, you know. We just said, "Loony." That's all we could think of. Then, then one day, we were going to have a career day, you know, and she she says. All right, Korea Day is coming up. All right, and so she is saying all along, Korea, Korea, Korea. I say it me every time I read this because I remember that those days. All right. Well, so basically, what uh, what they're saying is Jeremiah. Uh, God, we ask ask God to give us some direction. Uh, Should we indeed go to Egypt like we're planning to go or not? That's what they wanted to know. Supposedly. Alright? So, now it was a little different in those days uh, because they felt like they had to go uh, to the man of God the prophet Jeremiah, to get directions, all right? Uh, they didn't feel like they could do it for themselves. Now today, we Christians, uh, on the other hand, we don't have to go to someone else, all right? We don't have to go to a priest to go to God uh, or a pastor or anyone else to, to, to seek out uh, God for us. Uh, we can go directly ourselves. This is called the doctrine of uh, the priesthood of the believer. Uh, Every believer is a priest in that regard. Uh, So, if we can find it, you can look it up in Revelation 1, 6 and 5, 10. Both say that he has made us a kingdom of priests to God. So we don't need a priest. We are a priest we can go to God directly ourselves to seek his leadership and direction. Uh, So, that doesn't mean it's wrong to get someone else to pray for us, but uh, you don't need to feel like you need to go through someone else to get to God. You are a priest, all right? And note here, uh, pray to the Lord. Who? Jehovah. Jehovah, yes. Pray to the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh your god but notice your god your god pray to the lord your god as if you know he wasn't their god he didn't share my praise to your god praise you god Uh, and so they didn't really have that relationship to god for themselves they didn't feel comfortable apparently of, of saying that, so when they addressed Jeremiah, that's what they said. Uh, and without that relationship. And I think that's evident from God's judgment on them, right? Uh, how and you, you and I, how can we have a personal relationship with God? Uh, accepting humans as our Savior. Yes, accepting Jesus as our Savior, becoming His child, being adopted into his family, approaching him as father, all of right? a father. Uh some say daddy, daddy, but, you know, it's, it's intimate, it's intimate, but it's not casual, okay? It's intimate, but it's not casual. All right, well, going on verse 4, So the prophet Jeremiah said to them, I have heard, I will now pray to the Lord, your God according to your words and I will tell you everything every word that the Lord answers you I won't withhold a word from you so Jeremiah turns this your God thing back on them Uh, he says the Lord your God uh, he he should be your God just not my God all right and so this i think gives us a picture of how far uh, many have fallen away from god at that time Uh, verse five and they said to jeremiah may the lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we don't act according to every word the lord your god sends you to tell us whether it's pleasant or unpleasant we will obey the lord our god to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us we will certainly obey the lord our god so basically what are they saying find out what god wants us to do and we will that's right whatever god says to you we're going to do it we will do it uh and and, and, and really, that's the attitude that we should have, right? I mean, it's reflected in the New Testament all the time. Even when, remember the wedding at Cana when, uh, Jesus, when the wine ran out and Jesus' mother came to him uh, and told him the wine was gone. And and so she later then told the disciples what? The servants? Whatever he tells you to do it. Whatever he says to him, Do it, you 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 do it, okay. And uh, so, and that's the way God's (laughs) word tells us we should do it. Whatever He says, we should do it. Uh, Now, is that what we always do? No. Is that what they did? No. And so that's what we'll see unfold here in these next verses. All right. They seem to to get Jeremiah's message because they now refer to God as our God. They formally swear an oath, if you will, to abide by the message that they receive in response to their petition. The whole group seems to be uh, committed here. uh, And so... We have to ask ourselves, well, is their commitment uh, conditional? Is God's commitment to them conditional at this point? Well, we'll see. Because Jeremiah comes back with God's answer. With God's answer. And our life way people say, Call this option one. Option one. Okay? So, beginning with verse 7. Look at verse 7. At the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. 10 days. 10 days. This took time. You know, God just took his time. All right? that's a long time to wait on God if you you've prayed for something and you want an answer I mean we're not used to that I mean we want an answer when? Yeah. right now could he have answered right now sure his plan no Then wait 10 days let this settle in let what you let the people decide in their own hearts uh, if what they've said is is what they feel all right if they just said it Uh, as lip service to God. We live, you know, we want instant gratification. Uh, I was so happy when I could communicate with a computer. All right, but now I get upset when the computer runs slow. Have you ever tried to uh, go to the department store or any store and the cashier says, boy this computer, the system's so slow today. Can't do anything and you just you just chomping at the bit. Well that's what's going on here, all right. So but really hearing from God can take time, all right? His answers don't always appear immediately, all right? They take quite a while. <laughs> Everything according to his will. Uh and so it does good, I think. The the psalmist had recognized this. Uh Psalm 135, I wait for the Lord; my soul does wait. So, why did he? Why did God really wait ten days for giving Jeremiah the answer? We don't know. At least the scriptures don't tell us, and we can speculate, of course, but the scriptures do not tell us. But we know that the ten days do add some tension, uh, the tension of fear. Uh, of a, rep- a reprisal soon uh, from the Babylonians. All right, where did I stop? Eight. All right. After ten days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he summoned Johanan, son of Kariah, all, com- all the commanders of the armies who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest. All right. And he said to them, "This is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to bring your petition before Him." All right, and so he has an answer. Okay, so all we're going to hear uh, the prophet's message from God at the same time, all right, straight from Jeremiah's own mouth. All right, so he's got them all together, and this is what Yahweh, Jehovah, God says getting in verse 10 look at it if you will indeed stay in this (laughs) land then I will rebuild and not demolish you and I will plant and not uproot you because I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought on (laughs) you don't be afraid of the king of Babylon whom you now fear don't be afraid of him This is the Lord's declaration. Because I am with you to save you and to rescue you from him. I will grant you compassion and he will have compassion on you and allow you to return to your own soil. So then, is the Lord's response to them conditional or not? Is it conditional? Stay here. If, if you choose to stay here, then I will. All right? If you choose to stay here, then I will. So, and so this is their option. If you stay here and not go to Egypt, God says I'll bless you in these various Ways. And what mm-hmm. are these ways? Look at this the first is here. What are the ways he says I will bless you? I one it says, I will rebuild you. rebuild you. I will rebuild you. What else? Plant you. Plant you, all right? Settle you. <coughs> what else? Not uproot, not uproot you not uproot you that means, yeah, he's going to let them be there alright, he's going to rescue you he says I'm going to rescue you from who? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, alright I'm, I'm going to grant you compassion and even he work with him he will have Compassion on you. That'd be never. Keneza. All right. So. Compassion. This word. Compassion. It's used here. In Hebrew. It's related to the womb. All right. And here's what I've read. The idea is that God would show tenderness. Like an expectant mother shows tenderness. For her cherished unborn baby. So. God is extending that kind of tenderness to them. So, And so, will the king of Babylon at God's direction uh, will allow you to return to your homes and be safe. He's going to have that kind of tenderness toward you. If what? You if you stay here. Not to Egypt. All right? All right? So this is really quite an offer uh, who uh, just a few months ago, literally, uh, gave them over to the enemy. Now he's going. To, he tells them, I'm going to protect you. I will protect you. All right. uh, and so it also tells us, what about Nebuchadnezzar's control? God um, was controlling his attitude. Yeah. God was the boss. So God was in charge here, all right. God broke uh, and he was under the control. So it's sort of, you know, it reminds you of Psalm 23, in a way, what God is promising here. Uh, Though I walk quite literally uh, through the valley of the shadow of death, and we know that's life, okay? That's life. <coughs> Where the sight and smell of death are everywhere, and it was for them. Uh, I will fear no evil. Why would that be so? Why could they fear this? Not fear this evil. It's with them, right? Because thou art with me. Because you're with me and told me that you will protect me and you will comfort me. Uh, so Jeremiah's words also uh, convey uh, an important, another important truth: Jerusalem's defeat was not the defeat of God he had judged them but now he would protect those who remain and so they must ask themselves does this really make sense stay in Judah which was just destroyed is that he wrote this answer down whereas before he usually just told them well, he did make a record of it. That's correct. Yes, he did. All right. Uh, I mean, stay in Judah, which was destroyed, uh, and the new governor killed in an act of really lawlessness. Uh, now that so this could have seemed uh, like terrible advice to them, unless unless you know it really comes from God. The place they least want to be is where God tells them to stay. He says, I'll see you through us. Just stick with me. People just stick with me. So the Lord was going to accomplish all of this if the people trusted uh, his message through Jeremiah. So it all boils down to trust. Is God trustworthy? I was reminded uh, of an old, old story, and you've heard it many times about the tightrope walker who stretched, and I don't know if this story was true or not, but had a cable stretched from the Canadian side of the Niagara Falls to the New York side of the Niagara Falls and walked back and forth across that cable. He even told the crowd one side, do you believe I can do, take this wheelbarrow and go across and they yay yes yeah we know you can alright and so he says well the line forms over here I want somebody, want you to volunteer to get in this wheelbarrow as we go alright now that's what it gets down to do you trust that? That's an example of trust. It's an old story, but it brings out the point. You know, you can make a verbal commitment all day long, but you got to put it in action. All right, all right you got to put it in action. I love Jesus. I love Jesus, and I've got to follow Him. Right. That's what it comes down to. So, but there's more to God's answer. Their petition and it's God's answer, option number two, as our folks have found it. Begins with uh, verse thirteen. Verse thirteen. Look at that. But if you say we will not stay in this land in order to disobey the Lord your God, all right. This kind of clarifies that this isn't just a matter of picking between the two options as places of residence where you're going to live. It's a matter of obeying or disobeying God. And God knows their heart and their intentions. And the phrase uh, translated here is, but if you stay, or if you say, could literally be, if you continue to say, uh, uh, so after all, you know, they had planned all along to go to Egypt. all right? They planned, but now they've got here before them a deliberate choice that has to be made. No. They need to make that choice uh, openly. All right? Verse 14, uh, Jeremiah continues. And if you say no, instead we'll go to the land of Egypt, where we will not see war or hear the sound of the ram's horn or hunger for food, and we'll live there. Alright? Listen, go to Egypt. Go to Egypt. Uh, they assumed. Nebuchadnezzar could not reach them in Egypt, and so they did not hear the ram's horn, that is the warning sound of glass that an enemy was approaching. They'd also thought they had not hunger for food, and considering the dire situation they had in Judah, they may have heard reports that there's lots of food, perhaps, in, in Egypt, or they may assume things couldn't be worse there than they are here in that regard, so uh, so God through Jeremiah says, "Is this? If this is what you have in mind, look at verse f- fifteen. All right, then hear the word of the Lord, remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of Armies, the God of Israel, says: If you are firmly resolved to go to Egypt and stay there for a while, then the sword you fear." will overtake you there in the land of Egypt and the famine you are worried about will follow on your heels there to Egypt and you will die there, all right? You will die there. All who resolve to go to Egypt to stay there for a while will die by the sword, famine, and plague that is disease. They will have no survivor or fugitive from the disaster. I will bring on them, there will be no survivor, all right? For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Just as my anger and fury were poured out on Jerusalem's residents, so will my fury pour out on you if you go to Egypt. You will become an example for cursing, for scorn, for execration and disgrace, and you will never see this place again, this place being Judah. All right? This is what he said. All right. You fear the consequences of staying in Judah. What you should be afraid of is what will happen if you don't obey me. If you don't obey me and go to Egypt, you're going to die by the sword there. You're going to have <coughs> famine there. All right? All right? And so, with that in mind, the enemy they feared is going to find them. No one will survive. Disobedience? Disobedience brings God's judgment. They all should have known that. They've already been a witness to his fury with the uh, destruction of their land. So, it's no way. You can you can run all you want from God, but, but you can't hide. You can't hide. You cannot hide. And in, in, in this option, you'd be rejecting God, not Jeremiah. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah? trying <coughs> this is serious so uh, that's what he is you're rejecting God you're not rejecting Jeremiah he says alright and so make no mistake you have been warned you have been warned so Jeremiah now leaves no room for doubt and, and Charlotte was saying something earlier uh, before the lesson uh, Jeremiah is going to get right to the point it, it's It's beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, what all of this means and what they ought to do. It's it's just directly, all right? Verse 19. The Lord has spoken concerning you, remnant of Judah, don't go to Egypt. Know for certain that I have warned you today, you have gone astray at the cost of your lives because you are the ones who sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray to the Lord our God on our behalf. And as for all that the Lord as our God says, tell it to us and we'll act accordingly. For I have told you today, but you've not obeyed the Lord your God in everything he has sent me to tell you now therefore know for certain that is beyond a shadow of a doubt that by the sword famine and plague you will die in the place where you desire to go to stay for a while so Jeremiah has some strong words strong words for them and he says that the people he says that the people had already made their decision, but again, he brought God's message for them. All right? He said, The Lord, the Lord has spoken concerning you. Don't go to Egypt. And the people should stop considering that option. Uh, but and he says, I've warned you today. All right? All right, and I've read where this word warned could also be translated I've testified. I've testified to you today, and it is a warning. All right, so there's an emphatic witness to God's clear directive here, and the people were accountable then to God for their disobedience. So Jeremiah's point is that the people cannot claim ignorance. Uh, that. And, and judgment is all that's going to remain for them. I uh, know for certain that, that just stressed his desire that they know and understand the implications of their refusal to heed God's warning. In uh, his commentary on this text, Brian Meyer writes Failing to follow God's counsel reveals a person's true heart. People may say they believe the Bible is God's word, but if they consistently choose to disregard his teachings, they really do not believe it you know and we've covered this before in our lessons on Jeremiah Jesus uh, told his disciples he says if you love me you will do what keep my, keep my commands so we demonstrate our trust in, in God when we submit to his ways and live accordingly we get in this wheelbarrow all right and so And so, in our next text, what follows is a foolish response. A foolish response. They didn't like God's answer. They didn't like God's answer. So, quickly, look at chapter 43. This is not in your books, in your Bibles. When Jeremiah had finished speaking to all the people all the words of the Lord their God, all these words the Lord God had sent him to give, then Azariah, son of Hoshi, Johanna, son of Korea and all the other arrogant men responded to Jeremiah. You are speaking a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must go, not go to Egypt to stay there for a while. Rather Baruch son of Neriah is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Chaldeans to put us to death or to deport us to Babylon. So Johanan son of Korea, all the commanders of the armies and all the people failed to obey the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, Johanan, son of Kareah and all the commanders of the army led the whole remnant of Judah, those who had returned to stay in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been banished, they led them away, they led away the men, women, children, and king's daughters, and everyone who never, Nebuchadnezzar Zohar, and that was the uh, captain of the guards, uh, captain of the guards, had allowed to remain with Gedaliah, son of Ahiakim, son of Shaphan. They also led the prophet Jeremiah and Baruch, son of Neriah, away. They went to the land of Egypt because they did not obey the Lord. They went as far as Taphanes. Ta- Taphanes. All right. That's what happened. All right. In their arrogance, in their pride, the leaders could not conceive that. Uh, God's way would be different from theirs that just blew their minds and their blindness so they then spoke against uh, Jeremiah when in fact we know that God and God I think knew that God knew this he had to know it. they had already made up their mind about what they were going to do uh, they were going to go to Egypt so they really weren't asking God uh, for direction they really just didn't want Jeremiah to go to God and tell him what they were to do. Uh, they just wanted to be told what they wanted to hear. They didn't do what they wanted. They just wanted God's blessing, if you will. Uh, all right? And so they wanted the easy way out in that regard. Uh, and, and they wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And, and that's not what God will do. He will not always tell us what we want to know, what we want to hear. And so the question for us is, is, is your mind made up of, of what God is going to tell you to do on a subject? For like these guys, say, do you really want to know, or is your mind set on a certain course of action? Trusting God can be hard sometimes. It's a measure of faith. The God of Judah we read about today is the God of today. The same God. He is still God no matter what. We may think no matter what we may wish. There's an old saying you've heard it I'm sure they were afraid what did they lack courage 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 that comes from faith in God the old saying is this fear not at the door faith answered." They found no one was there. All right. Comments? There is also a place in Deuteronomy that God had already told them, don't go back to Egypt. Yes. He said, brush it out of there. Don't go back that way. Yeah. Yeah. Their minds were were addled physical safety I found it interesting that Jeremiah waited 10 days uh, he could have been under pressure to try and figure out or presume God's will but he waited on the Lord that's a very hard thing to do because are you willing to wait 10 days for the Lord to give you direction yeah, direction I think a lot of great men in the Bible went the wrong direction on that I like what you shared about trust in the Lord and lean on in your own understanding. understanding yep. And the third thing I would say is be doers of the word, not, not hearers not only, only, deceiving yeah. your own self. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thanks, thank you so much, oh Lord, for your closeness to us and for your guidance. Help us to always seek that, O oh Lord, and not take steps on our own. Always looking to you. We want to follow the, the path that you have before us and not lean on our own minds and our own understanding, Lord. Bless us now as we depart this place and may we apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I imagine that while I was waiting